0: Hi, everyone. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. Hi, I'm Joseph Whitney. And I'm David Campbell.
1: Welcome to Brewing with BIM.
0: Where we talk about constructing technology, processes, and beer. Well, welcome to another episode with Brewing with Bim. I've got uh, David Campbell, as always, and today we have uh, Johan Tuckler with us. Uh, I'm, I'm not butchering your name, am I right, man? Because oh, I, I think last time I did it. this.
2: <laughs> ah, you got it exactly right, so good job.
0: <laughs> All right. Thanks, All right. man. Thanks. I was, I was practicing. I, I kept uh, kept saying Johan to David, and he was like, no, no, no. It's Johan. Johan.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's, it's the J. It's a tricky, you know but yeah, it's, it's a Y, it's a Y sound. <laughs>
0: All right. And that's, and, uh, we were talking about this earlier. It's, uh, you're from Nicaragua, Nic Nicaragua. I mean, I can't talk. I've barely cracked open my beer. Um, and, uh, um, that's, is that traditional? The J is a Y sound? Uh, um, Actually,
2: in you know what? It even come becomes more confusing because of my mom. She, she just, uh, decided that it's going to be, She's gonna pronounce it at Johan even in Spanish, uh and J, the J is um like a H sound. So oh, it's even more confusing.
0: Yeah. Wow.
2: <laughs> so oh, it's kinda of more like a, a G, it's like a Giovanni, uh in 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 like uh, Italian. Spanish. Yeah, kinda of okay. like that, but my mom yeah. was just like, No, Johan. <laughs> I
0: like it. Cool. I like it, man. You sound yeah. more distinguished distinguished. When you say Johan, it sounds like man, this guy really knows what the hell he's talking about. Johan. I hope so. so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, um, well, we'll get into it, man. I think uh, I think everybody's gonna um, uh, see that your BIM knowledge surpasses uh, a lot of what's out there, and and will help spread that BIM gospel once we start getting into it. But before we dive in, man, most crucial question: What are y'all drinking? Yeah,
1: let, uh know? yeah johan let's uh, let's go ahead and go first
2: so yeah like I was telling you guys earlier so I'm double fisting today um, over here in Oregon it's it's kind of overcast but right now it's sunny and I'm chilling with this uh, cruise fermentation projects uh, Pilsner um, I like a lager I like a Pilsner uh, I like those brisk type beers now and, and then I also have some uh, some Uh, sugarcane rum from Nicaragua and it's called the flor de caña so shout out to uh uh my native country over here
0: (laughs) (laughs) nice man I you know I'm not normally a rum person but the way you just said that name it makes me want to drink it like that sounds pretty (laughs) good man Uh, (laughs) David, how about you, buddy? What are you drinking? You're always drinking some uh, hippie lager or something, man. What do you got oh, going on? Oh,
1: dude, actually called me out already. No. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I was walking through the store the other day, and, and this uh, limited release from Deschutes caught my eye. So they did a, uh, a collaboration with Riff um, Cold Brew, um, and they made Luna Joe Cold Brew Coffee Lager. Actually sounded right. really good really that's good cool. on a, a you know week like what we've had kind of cold overcast and you've had some nicer days like ah, oh, good coffee lager sounds great yeah
2: i was thinking about mixing uh my room with a little bit of coffee but i just went with the lime juice so <laughs>
1: hey there you go
0: <laughs> you guys in uh, up in the northwest man you guys uh coffee and alcohol that's uh Coffee and beer. I mean, that's a two 2 of the Northwest staples right there. Yes, Mix them together. That's yeah, delicious.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: All right. I'm drinking uh, something from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and before you get on me, I know it's not from Pennsylvania, but I love the East Coast because everything's so compact. Uh, I'm an hour and a half from Cleveland where I live. Um, so they, I'm drinking this, uh, platform, uh, beer companies. It's called a uh, speed merchant. It's their white IPA. It's, uh, you know, citrus hoppy, um, the traditional IPA, but with a lot, lot more citrus flavors in it. And I had me sold right then there. I read that on the, the container and I was like, I've never had this. And it actually lists all the ingredients in it. Normally when you pick up a beer, it's, you know, um, they'll de- describe the notes, but this actually tells you what kind of malts they use, what kind of hops, the yeast, um, everything. It's great. Yeah.
2: that's awesome. Awesome. Sounds great.
0: All right. Well, before we get, uh, too hammered and enthused on the beer, let's uh, start talking about you, man. Uh, so Johan, uh, I appreciate the bio you sent over. You have kind of a varied experience uh, and I'd love to talk about how you got to where you were. Um, and, uh, why are, you know, number one, why are listeners, um, want to hear from you? Um, And why, why, you know, what we have to say about BIM uh, towards the end is going to be so important uh, about BIM execution plan strategy, that sort of stuff. Um, It's because of your experience that I think that you've come to some um, true revelations, especially when we talk about uh, BIM for owners and, you know, not just talking about it in a silo or in a vacuum. Uh, We're talking about it for everybody on the project and and further downstream post-construction so let's just talk about jump in. And talk about uh, your background, how you got to where you are where you are today, because you got a pretty prominent role today at a very large organization.
2: Yeah, um, I'm really fortunate to uh, be in this position uh, to, you know, drive the uh, implementation and execution of BIM, um, you know, for especially for for a big client um, in Portland. Um, so, you know, and and it's really you'll see as as I'll describe uh you know how I've gotten to this position that it really takes about um initiative excuse me initiative and also um you know people and individuals taking that time to mentor me and uh take take time to teach me uh the necessary things um that I need to do uh that I need to to get the job done and um you know it it's important um, to know also that that my journey is probably not, not the most traditional journey. So um, it's good to hear. I, I like hearing. I like uh, sharing my experience to others and showing that you know going to college isn't the um, the only way. You know, there's other avenues to to getting inside this industry. Um,
0: yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly, especially when you consider most college programs aren't really geared towards real world um, uh, problems in, in the chaos of construction and design and everything that goes into it. Like it can teach you about you know the phases of construction. It can teach you even some you know conceptual you know design principles. It can teach you certain elements, um, but but nothing really seems to grasp the all-encompassing until you just, you get thrown in there and, um, you get some mentors that, that have done it. And I, I know firsthand, like that's, that's literally how I learned. I tried the you know, the, it seemed like YouTube was, was, was most of my teacher and then, uh, just chatting with people in industry.
2: Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, actually the, the way that I got into drafting, um, is, is straight into, uh, high school. So, in my junior year, I was able to go to a high uh, tech high school in, um, in Wheaton, Rock, uh, actually Rockville, Maryland, um, on the on the East Coast. And uh, looking at the pamphlet, I didn't really know, you know, what drafting was, but I knew that I did like, you know, drawing and I did like uh, math. So it, it just kind of stood out to me. So um, fortunately, I was. I, I took drafting on pretty well, you know, learning, learning hand drafting um, principles and just actually practicing on a big table with the actual tools um, for the first year and a half, um, which kind of gave me a, a really good uh, framework to what CAD was going to be because those same principles that, that, you know, came from a drafting table followed through into developing um, the CAD platform. So, you know, once um, I think within my senior year, I asked uh, my professor if I could get some work-study credits, and he said, well, if you can get um, somebody who will hire you, I'll go ahead and approve it. So to me, that kind of was a challenge, so I I, I went straight to the yellow pages, and all I knew was architects, right? I didn't even know that uh, engineers or or construction people did did CAD so I just went straight to architecture and uh you know it was a couple weeks and finally I got to I got to M and um I got a call back from this small uh, independent, um independent architect who was working out of his out of his basement and uh we had a quick call on the, uh, a a quick chat on the on the phone and um he invited me in to uh to come actually do a test in CAD and uh, in, in his basement. And, and it's funny because it, it's like a basement that, that was a crawl space that you dug out. <laughs> so the rafters were like right at your head.
0: <laughs> yeah. That sounds a little creepy by the way. Hey, yeah, come take this test. It's in my basement.
2: Uh... You know yeah, what? It's right looking down back, here. looking back. Yeah. A l- little sketch. <laughs> Um, but fortunately, you know, uh, um, this relationship actually turned out to be uh, really paramount in, in, in my career because, it, you know, again, um, this individual and, and um, his company is uh, MC Design Build out of Gaithersburg, Maryland. And uh, I worked back there between uh, 2002 and 2003 um, uh, with Mike Cavanaugh. Uh, you know, and, and he really took the time and effort to guide me and, and teach me what um, all, the, all the processes, all the steps that, that um, involved, were involved in, in putting a design together for a residential project. Um, you know, luckily, so luckily after I, I, I got the internship, um, you know, the, the kind of tasks that we were out, out there doing, you know, we were out. Measuring, um, taking pictures uh, of houses, of, of sites, um, and then coming back and uh, putting it all in, all in CAD. And it wasn't just your your, your regular you know um, version of CAD. It was it was architectural desktop, um, which again that that really proved to to provide me a great foundation for for the next step um, in in, the, in a 3D environment. But, um, you know we when we were making our designs, we were drawing we weren't drawing just lines. we were drawing we we're placing walls. We we're placing windows, we we're placing cabinets, you know. Um, so it, it wasn't just the drawing. it was the real getting into what it took to um, uh, spatially design these components and make sure there, there aren't clashes. And make sure that you understand uh, that you took enough um, uh, survey <laughs> and photos out there, so that you don't have to go back out there and and, and um, or or you don't have to guess, you know guess inside the office and and you know get the most accurate um, information you can for for your design. So you know having that that first experience was really really paramount for me.
0: Yeah, it's it's actually great that you learned in Architectural Desktop, like you were saying. Um, for those listeners that aren't familiar with uh, uh, AutoCAD, Autodesk Architectural Desktop, or, or I guess later it was um, AutoCAD Architecture. Um, essentially, it's 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 AutoCAD on steroids because the dynamic blocks, the catalogs, the palettes are already created. So you're, you're again, you're you're not modeling with a, a standard line. You're modeling with a, with a um, a fully constrained parametric item that you can apply materials and all that sort of stuff to much like you can do in Revit just without the whole dynamic um, uh, capabilities of, of that Revit offers. But yeah, that's a, that's a, a great way. Like, you know, if you had to start an AutoCAD and then learn Revit, it's, it's a little bit different, but if you started in architectural uh, desktop, there's a lot of similarities there.
2: Exactly, uh, because yeah, you know immediately you you are considering that Z axis in CAD. You have to uh, do additional steps and processes to uh, coordinate that Z axis. Ex-
0: exactly, and it's not just about a floor plan at that point in time. It's about the the element themselves because the, we we haven't um, a full item associated for this wall, like you're saying, not just a line type um, that, you know, may be dashed if there's an opening or whatever, but a real, uh, element there that represents that. So our, it's not, not about floor plans. It's about the whole 3d, uh, model at that point. Um, so, so you, you got into, um, architectural desktop, um, and then how long before you actually got into something like Revit?
2: So, um, it, you know, for me, um, it took me a while to actually get into Revit. Uh, I, I spent some time in a structural firm, um, about seven years, uh, but it wasn't until 2008 where um, I had another really great opportunity to, to really get uh, that one-on-one training with, with a subject matter expert. Um, so in 2008, uh, I started working for another large firm, um, Walter P. Moore, um, as a cad tech uh, and after getting hired, uh, the office manager, he kind of told me, you know, it, it was pretty awesome, you know, bringing you in because the pool of, of resumes was about, uh, you know, 250 resumes that we got. And we were really looking for somebody that had Revit experience. Um, and, and I think they had about, uh, 20, 20 to 15 interviews, and, and fortunately uh, they picked me. And within the first month, uh, they brought um, this this gentleman from Tampa, Florida, uh, David Harrington. He he's uh, he was a co-author of Mastering Revit. Um, nice. I think uh, t- 2009, 10, and 11, if I have that right. Um, and, and he came over and he gave me uh a one-on-one you know ten, i think it was uh i think it was eight or ten days of just revit training and we he just again gave that gave me the foundation i needed to uh take those skills that i, I had developed from um from learning the architectural desktop and and really maturing and manipulating how to use uh cad for those um eight years to finally uh taking that and, and, moving towards Revit and, and, and getting that, uh, getting in, my foot into that, that platform. So within, um, within, you know, three months of, of starting, uh, I, I was, um, our office was awarded one of, um, the schematic, uh, or the preliminary engineering design for, um, a large project internationally, uh, in, in uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, uh it's called a cap uh, some a uh, petroleum studies uh, school or university and uh you know they just threw me in there they 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 just you know told me here's here's the project here's the here's the architectural model you know we need a, a structural a structural model and and they just you know with the training that I got and and the experience that I had in in architectural desktop I just you know was actually able to successfully um, get into uh, revit and, and really give a, a good product to to the engineer so you know it, again having that one-on-one mentorship early on uh, really proved to, to launch me into into um, high production
0: yeah um, that that that's like kind of a storied uh almost approach yeah. into the into the the you know into revit into into bim you you got to start you got kind of a uh the ideal i guess you know circumstance as far as the work study credit and then you got into one of the largest firms Um uh, and i just checked david Harrington's still there at Walter p moore yeah. um and you got to work under a true master like that's I don't. I don't know anybody that that's got that. Um, you know, I sat next to uh, this gentleman who works in our office. His name's Kurt Egley, and he, you know, helped bring in Revit. He actually, uh, you talk about architectural desktop and uh, AutoCAD architecture. That those were his babies, uh, and he helped bring in Revit uh, technologies at the time. And I got to, you know, pick his brain and learn some stuff from him. Uh, but you got to learn like hands-on experience from somebody who knew it inside and out that wrote books on it to teach other people. And that's, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm envious.
2: Yeah. That's pretty awesome. It it was, you know, super amazing opportunity for me, you know um, but you know, as well as having uh, engineers that really took the time to teach me what structural design was um, and, and if you look at the roster, uh, you know, of the current Walter P. Moore, um, you know, my mentors back then, they're principals now, you know, they are leading these offices. And, and, and because obviously they are um, taking that time to bring people up and share the knowledge, because if we all know what the expectation is of the project and, and of the deliverable, then we can all come together to solve these issues. Um, So, um, you know, it's, it's really, it's really awesome seeing um, uh, David and seeing Ryan, you know, in in leadership positions. It's, it's really awesome.
0: Well, um, to touch on what you said just a second ago about uh, solving project problems by everybody coming together. Isn't that really what BIM is all about? I know we're going to dive in here in a little bit to, uh, you know, BIM execution plans and strategy and, and why certain things are the way they are, or should be the way they are. Um, but real quick, how did you? So, so you you went you're on the East Coast and now you're in the West Coast. You kind of took an opposite path than I did. I was on the West Coast. Now I'm on the East Coast, or I guess I don't know where people call it, Pittsburgh, uh, Midwest, <laughs> Appalachia. I, I have no clue, man. I, I um, heard it
2: was pencil tucky somewhere in between
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. i like that man i am going to use awesome. that pencil tucky. i love it man uh yeah it's uh it's it's right up there you got uh pencil you got uh, pittsburgh and there's you know a few good side cities uh within a few hours um but if you just look around pittsburgh it is like just vast you know woods and i'm not going to say mountains because the Appalachian mountains are not mountains by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, <laughs> after living in Oregon, I can, I can confidently say that. Um, but, but, so you kind of took an opposite approach. You, you're, you were East coast, worked for some great firms. Now you're West coast. And you're, you're working for, you know, still amazing firms. Like I don't want to say one's better than the other, but you, you're working for a, a, a global uh, firm now. How did that transition happen? Like what, what brought you, um, West and what's uh, you know how did you get to where you are?
2: Um, I think it's uh, actually that's a pretty interesting question um, and an an important question uh, because one um, the main reason why I decided to move to the West Coast is because I had been drafting at that point for about nine years and I was like you know what I'm gonna go try something different right um so i had this opportunity and um also uh like most guys (laughs) i'll say that if we do make a move most of the time it's because of a girl (laughs) so um at that time with with the 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 girl that i was with um you know she had family on the west coast and uh, we decided to to make the move and um start helping her her dad's produce business actually
0: that's that's kind of a weird weird transition
2: yes Uh, so that so that's how i got to the west coast and so you know after trying that out and and seeing that that wasn't for me (laughs) yeah and i think that's what's that's what's important about that little story is that you gotta try other you got to not be afraid to try the things because oh, yeah. you don't know what you did, what you don't like <laughs> yeah. until yeah. you try it. Oh yeah. Right? So, you know, I, I tried something for a bit and, and I called back Walter P. Moore and I said, Hey, you know what? I'm in LA. <laughs> uh, is there, uh, is there, you know, some, some need out here in the, in the California office. And because I had a, a great relationship with, um, uh, with my DC contacts, you know, um, I was easily transferred into the West Coast uh, office of Walter P. Moore.
3: Nice.
2: Yeah. And then, um, you know, some, some internal, you know, uh, changes were happening um, with the management structure of the office. And anyway, I just uh, moved on to, to another firm, local firm in, in L.A., where they hired me on for again some my rev expertise, um, but really you know this what what we really want to get into is is uh, you know the BIM management. So I was in 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 this in, in um, you know production for quite a long time uh, for a, a, about you know you know uh, six seven years, and uh, I moved up to Eugene um, with my now wife. Um, uh, and, and started working for an uh, industrial engineering uh, firm, which provided uh, engineering services, structural MEP, and um, um, constr- uh, construction management services for uh, paper uh, manufacturers in Oregon. And right in this experience right here, I, I was only there for a short time, but it really gave me the opportunity of seeing all these different. Uh, seeing all these different um, disciplines come together at 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 the same time so um coming to one second sorry
3: oh you're
2: all good hey guys is that message for me no no you're good no you're
1: good sir you're
2: good okay Uh, so yeah um so evergreen provided or uh, this uh, yeah evergreen provided this um, uh, point of view of bringing all these disciplines together. I was with structural, I was <laughs> with uh, HVAC, I was with uh, the piping and, and, and the architectural and civil mm-hmm. uh, disciplines all together um, coming uh, to work or or to put a, a uh-huh. one of it's a not kind coordination right exactly yeah and in the project is is pretty awesome. It was a it's a it's a one of a kind, the first uh, rice straw MDF uh, facility in in the United States actually, um, where they're taking this this basically byproduct this waste, mm-hmm. and they're going to be making um, uh, boards that don't have uh, formaldehyde. So. That's um, cool. Yeah, I, I was really fortunate to to be a part of that, and and gave me that experience to, to again see all these disciplines come together and see all the needs, uh, of of the coordination, um, and and really being in in that position of guiding, uh, project managers, guiding the project engineers, guiding the ownership as to what BIM um, and and working in a, in Revit means mm-hmm. and what can be provided to the client. Um, you know, it, it, it gave me that it like, it just like, uh, ignited a fire <laughs> yeah. in me where it was like, man, I'm seeing all these, um, opportunities where we can be better.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's about communication and it's about, um, describing your need before you actually go and execute something
1: yes yes dude i mean the plan that's i mean that's the that's the biggest thing about really anything that we do i mean if you think about any jobs or projects you're going to start around the house you get an idea of a plan you know something that you're going to do first and i think that bim shouldn't be any different
0: yeah i'm i'm a notes guy man like i uh, i take notes i make a list of everything i'll add sub bullets like i i i Document everything as much as I can before I do something. My wife hates it because I, I, whenever we go out, I make her pick a backup restaurant just in case. Like I'm that ludicrous. Um, you know what we do for work is no different. So when you're talking yep. about a BIM plan, um an execution plan rather, when you get your firm set up, and it's a living document, right? It changes. Yeah. Um, you, you gotta gotta have that that same mental preparedness. You know, every job is going to teach you something new. You're going to revise. You're going to you're going to adapt, but yeah, it's a, it's a very important piece,
1: but yeah, I, you know, and I, I really understand, um, that, that passion that you're kind of talking about seeing everything come together. Um, it, it's, it's very awesome. Like it's, it's a great feeling to see as you're going through design, as you're going through coordination and actually watching construction, um, and, and again, seeing everything as it's going in, as it's brought in, Uh, It's just amazing, but also being on site, being able to see what the issues are, what the communication issues are, the versioning, things like that, that can cause big stops or big gaps and and further issues and delays that can be, you know, big problems on any site that you go on, really. And um, just seeing the other end of this, right, being connected to the other end of this now and, and knowing how important that collaboration is. And how important it is to get all of this data together um, and have a plan of how to use it and when to use it, what to use, right, it is very
0: important. I, I feel like I'm living deja vu uh, here because on the West Coast, we had all this. And now that I'm living in uh man like I feel like I'm going through it all over again like I'm chatting with firms yes. and like well how are you guys analyzing how are you guys improving what's your current strategy look like How your communication instructors uh, how are you guys sharing documents um, how are you guys effectively communicating owners needs versus contractual needs uh, versus you know your needs on the whole project like, how is this all happening and they're like I don't know just do whatever we you have to. Do whatever. <laughs> we figure Sit it down. out man <laughs> how much time are you wasting on that <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. And, and I think that is the uh, number one um, uh, aspect that can be improved in our industry is inefficiency. You know, uh, inefficiency, whether there's inefficiency, we are wasting time and we are wasting products and we are wasting human resources. So if we can't handle that, you know, we're not really doing a, a, a good, um, uh, we're not really managing our project well.
3: Nope. I agree. And,
2: and so, and so, um, just you know, uh, after um having that experience in, in Eugene, I was again given um another opportunity to to uh, provide kind of this uh guidance, kind of consultation, BIM BIM services to to a large um uh public uh airport. Here in, in 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 Oregon, and um uh, I started here. I, I think you gave uh, away
0: more than you were trying to give away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, you know, if you look at my LinkedIn profile, you, it wouldn't be it wouldn't take much. But um yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, and and, and really, what I uh am doing for for this client is really. You know, guiding them uh, as to what it is for owner, uh, what BIM is for an owner, and really, um, this topic, uh, this point of view, really should be important for everyone uh, in the in the design chain, in the construction chain, in, in the operating chain. It's important for everyone it, because this is a life cycle, and, and you are one cog. In the wheel of of this facility, um, and and understanding your responsibilities and and your information requirements is really what uh, what BIM is really about. And like you you were you were saying, you know, um, it's really about coordination. It's really about uh, using the information within within these elements. It's about determining when. This information is being developed and as to what development or detail this information is is, is developed um, and when in that chain of or, uh, within the phase that information is available for your other uh, uh, parties to to consume. Um, really this is what, what BIM is not just for for the owner but this is what BIM is f- for the industry. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, talking about Pennsylvania, you know, uh, Pennsylvania, you know, shout outs to Pennsylvania because I, I take a lot of what I call the the BIM fundamentals from uh, Penn State. Um, yeah. They have been working on such a great program for so long. And, you know, a lot of the information, a lot of the resources that I use, you know, these are free resources yeah. <laughs> that, that are available you just have to know what you're looking for. You know? It's funny.
1: I actually have their uh, one of the uh, project BIM project execution plans from Penn State up on, on my computer. That's one of the kind of, I've been looking at some templates lately and kind of seeing what what templates look like and, and kind of what's out there. And one of the first ones you see is is definitely Penn State.
2: Yep, Penn State. They they've been doing it since at least 2008. Um, a CIC research program. Uh, has really developed a great um, foundation for what is required for BIM, and and you know I'm kind of been trying to push this this hashtag on LinkedIn where you know BIM is more than models. It mm-hmm. it, it really is not just you know the models are a product of BIM. Um, oh,
0: we, yes, we we can definitely help push that hashtag. Yeah, um, definitely. I, that's a, that's something that's worth pushing. I think we've got about twelve thousand followers and we're, we're definitely going to keep keep that up. Like we'll, we'll spread it out. Bim yeah. is more than models. I love it. It's beautiful.
1: I do, yep. too. You know, and, and you were pushing there um, real big and I, I kind of felt like, uh, you know, I'm kind of vibing with everything you're saying there. I'm like, preach, preach. But, you know, out of BIM, out of, you know, the three letters there, I, I heard you kind of, you know, pushing on it there. And I feel like the most important letter out of that whole acronym is I. It's the information, right, that you're getting, that you're sharing. Everybody needs that access, access to the information, right? They, they need the, the most up to date. They need the, the most in general kind of information that can help them out no matter what portion of the life cycle that they're in in that building whether it is you know pre well let's say pre construction with design or you're in construction or even handover when the owner has it they everyone needs information to that building and what's going on with it and the more that we can improve on that right the more that we can improve that information that we hand over and what we can do with it during the life cycles of these projects and and past you know in sense of even into demolition right as the life cycle completely ends and okay cool then we have all of the information on what's existing in, in terms of utilities and things like that on that site because it never really dies right there's always well, we, adaptation.
0: we talked about that during demolition too like if you know what's salvageable in there based off of model information you know, obviously mm-hmm. that changes because uh, uh, buildings get updated over the years but if you have a living document as built it's uh, going yeah. to help build. with budgeting
1: too yeah,
0: you're gonna know. You're gonna know about recyclable materials. You're gonna know about uh, well, obviously the structural engineers. are gonna have to still mm-hmm. place charges and stuff, or you know, know where to place charges and whoop, stuff. Whoop. But but, but you got a BIM model, man. That, that gives you something to go off of at least. Uh, it's, you know, definitely worth it. The, you hit on something. So the I is actually what drove me to to BIM. When somebody showed me Revit, I was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, the, the the way that this is set up reminds me of, um, you know, like asset report stuff that's inside of Microsoft's, so Microsoft, not asset reports, but Microsoft's uh, report report manager, uh, it looks exactly like that, um, uh, just with a model in the middle, and I was like, oh, okay, well, this is pretty similar, <laughs> and coming from a GIS background, it was all about information anyways, I was like, oh, man, this is, yeah, it's pretty cool, that's what got me into it, but I I I just got to hit back one more thing. You hit the nail on the head with uh, Penn State earlier, Johan. And uh, as backwards as Pennsylvania sounds, man, I got to tell you, they're leaving the charge in so many things. Uh, so, you know, you forget about self-driving cars and Carnegie Mellon's robotics program. That is phenomenal. And there's some amazing stuff that's about to come out of them that uh, I'm not going to say anything about. But there's some stuff coming. They, they got a lot of great programs going on. Penn State, you know, helped develop BIM, all that stuff. I was working with a uh, Penn College uh, at one of these events, and uh, they're teaching people how to survey using virtual reality. It's freaking amazing. Um, and then whenever we did implementation plans with people, and we'd go in and set up these Revit implementation plans, we were always referring to Penn State. Like, you know, you take that over the AAA, you take that over everything else. Like, that everybody's uh, execution plans start with Penn State. Like, that is your foundation. Start That's from true. there. Build off of
2: it. That's right. That's the framework. Yep. Love it. Love it. Love it. And, and, you know, uh, David, you you mentioned something about um, demolition, and and I think not to get all hippie, but, you know, that's the alpha and omega omega right there. (laughs) You know, demolition is what we all should be thinking about, no matter what aspect of – no matter what um, position in the phase we're at, that's what we should be thinking about. What does the person operating this thing need to know to fix it if it fails? Eventually, we're going to tear it down.
0: Yep. Well, there's so, a there's a building that's partially built. I think it's a hard rock cafe. It's in Louisiana. I think it's, what, going on five months since it's collapsed, and nobody knows what to do with it. But um, somebody's got BIM models somewhere, right? Let's Let's figure those out. Let's, you know... There's dead workers still in there, but if you got the BIM model, that gives you some place, right? you got something right. to start from.
2: Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, and one thing that I try to promote um, within my activities is let's be uh, preventative instead of reactive. Yeah. This is the power of BIM. The power of BIM is we don't have to go running around trying to find the solution at, at, you know, when something fails. Yep. The power of BIM is knowing where that information and knowing that the information is reliable so that when something unexpected happens, we can fix it quickly. Number one. Number two is that we can be preventative in maintaining our assets. Yes.
0: Well, well BIM allows us to have the most. know the theory is that we have the most complete and accurate up-to-date information at any given time that's the whole premise essentially right is that you know these models are updated all the information is making it back into there that needs to make it back in there and it's so that people downstream can can make decisions based off of this information so as long as we're giving accurate information we're giving um the information in a way that you know people can consume it um you're right you're 100 you're you're not being Reactionary, you're being proactive. If anything, you're allowed to, you know. Uh, Dave and I use this reference all the time. If I'm JLL or some big, you know, uh, retail, um, you know, uh, some big um, real estate company for all these retail firms, I'm managing it. I've got 10,000 light bulbs I need to do, whatever whatever the situation is. Um, I know that the warranty periods are all here. I know that they all use this type of light bulbs and buy them in bulk from this warehouse because it's centrally located to these locations. Ship mount, it just allows me to be more effective and efficient with my dollars, with my building, um, with with everything. Yeah, um, well, I love it.
1: I think I think expanding on that too is is really um, when we start talking about owners, you know, and, and kind of pre-construction um, into owning, you know, this building for 20 to 30, 40, 50 years is, is planning to own that building for 20, 30, you know, 40, 50 years and what they're going to do is start designing this building to adapt to you know grow i want to say you know be able to as they're planning well how with the owner themselves how how do you expect to grow in the next 10 to 15 years where do you want to go you know what what would you like to do not not just phasing but essentially kind of like phasing but growing this building and allowing for opportunities of growth within your development of it and then again in your bim plan itself right Offering other avenues to allow that to expand and, and continue to ex- expand on that information, and giving a giving someone a BIM model is so much better than handing them a set of you know paper drawings or I mean even the CAD file I would say is better than getting than than getting those paper drawings that we seem to get still.
0: I, I love giving people access to something like. Uh, a plan grid or a bin 360 or or a bluebeam 3d model like whatever it is a 3d model that has all of the the information behind it so yeah. like they don't need to know how to use revit whether that you know we could teach them to use revit viewer or whatever or uh, what's the new one viewer.autodesk.com I think is the new way yeah. to share stuff yeah it's a free viewer yeah yeah um, so no matter how we give it to people if you give it to them in easy consume format just you say yeah, it's got to be consumable. It's got to be so easy to consume. I, I, if I, you got guys on a job site that just balk at new technology. Well, I've been doing it this way for you know 20 years, 30 years, yep. you name it, whatever it is. But they know how to use their smartphone. If you can teach them how to use their smartphone to leverage the information that you got, so whether it's an app, whether it's, um, you know, 3D PDF, does PDF, matter. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. It's a you know HTML viewer. It doesn't matter what it is. But if you can teach them how to use that and consume it on a device that they already know how to use, um, you know, you're, you're leaps and bounds ahead of everybody. They're they're able to actually uh, use the information. Now, if I give somebody a really complex model and get them into something like, you know, not knocking so or anything, I'm just saying, like, it's not a field tool. Uh, but if you gave your field guys, you know, that kind of tool, it's, it's all about knowing what tool fits
2: the appropriate party. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and. Just, you know, this is – and honestly, this is what I like about this podcast is that, you know, we – you guys start at a topic and eventually it, it, it just um, develops in, it into itself kind of. Mm-hmm. And I say that because just hearing you guys, you know, talk about what all these uses of the models are and the uses – the users of information and, and consumers of information who who what they can do if they have this information that right there is bim okay number 1 and anybody you know i think you know the people listening to this podcast are really trying to you know, find out the answers. What is BIM? What is BIM? How can we do BIM? <laughs> and here, I'll tell you, you know, get a pencil out because I'm going to tell you in five steps. Give them the secret of life here. Uh,
0: secret
2: okay, this is BIM. And no matter what phase you're in, no matter what side you're in, this is this is BIM. And this is what you have to consider. Number one, what is your project goals? What are your project goals? What do you want to succeed in this project? We know you want to build something. Great. We know that. <laughs> but what else do you want? Okay. And and again, I, 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 I use uh, Penn State as a resource. Penn State, if you go to uh, PSU, BIM uses, <laughs> they will give you 25 descriptions of model uses. Okay. And this goes in their um uh, they're broken out per phase, okay? Uh, uh, um, planning, design, construction, and operating, okay? So if you look at uh, these individual I a, activities… So I actually
1: put a link up here um, in our conversation, and we'll make sure to include this um, at the end of our podcast. Joey, could we put this on our website or put it up on Twitter? Um, I got the actual web address here for that, that uh, Penn State uh, template for a BIM um, project execution plan. Awesome. We can share that out.
2: So, if you look at these BIM uses, you'll see that they're broken out into phases of the project and, and actually the life cycle of the facility. Um, and <clears throat> uh, you can see uh, what model uses are, are available. Throughout these phases okay so back into it if you ready to know what BIM is okay get your pencils down get your pencils ready okay I'm gonna tell you right now okay so BIM is number one understanding what your project goals are okay what do you want out of the project we know we want a building we know we want a system we know we want something constructed okay cool but what else okay we know that um the, there's some information that is being developed uh, bit by bit by the design team, and then it gets more and more uh, detail through construction. We know that. It's been the traditional way, okay? So, number one, you need to understand your goals, and your goals is, are going to be on, around information, okay, and how users are going to be – or how consumers are going to be using that information. Okay. Number two, once you understand your goals, you're going to define model uses. And like I said, we were describing, uh, we were talking about PSU's. Uh, if you go to, if you go, or if you go to any search, um, your favorite search browser, mm-hmm. search for PSU BIM uses. Probably the first one you'll see is Penn State. And it gives you all these 20, is about 25 model uses that can be executed throughout specific phases of this facility or system. Okay, so now you have your goals, you have your uses that are going to address how you're going to meet these goals. So now you understand what is being required, and I was ta- and, and I was saying how our conversation was just developing in that way because we know what we want as an industry. We know what we want. The end users, those guys out in the field, they know what they can do with the information if it were available. Right? Yeah. Okay. So now we know our goals. We know our uses. So who's going to do it? Okay. And that's really what um, – Information exchanges are okay. Information exchanges means when is a model going to be developed, and at to wit, what level of development is it going to be ready for the next responsible party? Because as we know, usually information starts from an existing condition. Uh, a facility owner gives us blueprint drawings most of the time. Hopefully, it's PDF. Uh, if we have a really good owner vectorized pdf right <laughs> exactly Hopefully, a vectorized
1: PDF.
2: <laughs> exactly so and then from there uh, that's our basis of information for existing and, and, and we and we know what the architect is going to do in terms of uh, programming the design okay right uh, so we for about you know 20 25 years we have been doing this traditional method of developing information. We just have been putting all that information in only two places, specs and drawings. What BIM is doing is throwing in that Z-axis, throwing in models and throwing in time. So we go away from this 2D planar to not just vertical, but time. Yeah, 4D, right out the gate. So how how do we manage that? And that, again, is the third bit, information exchanges. Who is going to develop what model and when it's going to be available for the next one? Yeah. I
1: think think a big part of that is kind of specify, like the the owners and whoever's going to be financing, whoever's running these kind of projects sits down and, and, and really thinks about that maybe consults with someone to figure out exactly what level they need so they can start specifying this in these contracts, right? Start actually getting down to I'm only going to work with people if they have this information, this level of information, if they can give me the detail that I need.
2: And right there, again, that's why I really like this podcast because the conversations <laughs> develop and boom, you gave us right there the holy grail, okay? That is what is what the owner uh, should be defining in terms of BIM. Mm -hmm. It's it lies within the contract, because if you don't define that in the contract, your consultants, uh, you are up to um, the discretion of your consultants Mm -hmm. of defining what BIM is for the project, not what it means for you, the owner, but what it means for the project. And, you know. Every uh, individual, every uh, responsible party has a specific point of view. Traditionally, it has been to make 2D drawings. Mm-hmm. And what, um, in my experience, what I've seen is that we've been uh, promoting BIM, but we have been deliver- delivering 3D CAD. Mm-hmm. That that's. That's yeah,
0: it. that's that's yep. it, man. When I when I think of BIM, I think of it even more so beyond the timing const- constraints. I think of it more of a in the 70 um you know realm where we're talking about the owner, the facilities management teams, all that sort of stuff. Um that might be a little too aggressive, but uh yeah, when I when we talk about BIM and I, I chat with I just so uh I had this conversation with a construction firm and Uh, eastern pennsylvania and he's telling me he's like dude look man we're we're in bin but we're like you know if i gave us a one out of ten i'd say we're a one and i'm like what are you doing he's like we use Revit, we use Navisworks. and i'm like well that's great but are you tracking anything are you um figuring out how your teams downstream are communicating and and accessing this information that you're providing are you actually sharing this information with other teams he's like no we're not doing any of that i'm like well you're really not even doing BIM to begin with.
2: Exactly. And that's the bottom line. Um, and, and another resource that I've been using, and I think that you know my personal outlook on the industry is that um, GSA or, or government jobs are going to uh, demand more of an ISO 19650 type of contractual language. And I say that because that is going to dictate who and when this information is going to be developed for um, government jobs. And if you don't know that, then most likely you're not going to be able to participate on those projects. And what that benefits the client is that they they understand that they need to manage their information flow, format. And they need to manage how they use it, because that's the only way that they're going to be efficient in in using it. Mm -hmm. You know, we we as an industry, um, you know, a lot of uh, software partners promote what can be possible. But we don't actually give the tool or give the workflow or the processes to actually get there. And the number one thing that's going to that is in our way for the industry to get to digital facilities, to get smart cities is information. If we can't manage our information properly, we'll never get there.
0: And that's pretty sad because I think smart cities, when we think about like utopian meccas and stuff, like that's what I think of smart cities. I think about like having all the information at any one given time to make the real decisions that need to be made, having the infrastructure in place, having all these sensors and everything just just the way it is so that we can reduce our you know this is the hippie in me because i lived in oregon for six years i'm gonna blame you guys in oregon uh but uh uh you know reducing the carbon f- footprint reducing yep. um your 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 you know your your uh lighting requirements reducing all this all this stuff uh, but we have this information because of building because we have Um, user data from, um, you know, we know that there's six people in this room, and we know that their preferred temperature is 72 degrees, and let's turn on this air conditioner at this time, like we know all this. Like,
1: You know what, one of the biggest things I'm seeing, and I'm seeing it right here on the West Coast, um, and one of the biggest uses I see of it is our, our current infrastructure is not enough to hold the amount of people, like the demand, Right. And I live, I live on a mountain, right? <laughs> right outside of Portland. And the city that I live in is growing at a rate that they cannot kind of handle. Like the schools are kind of overpopulated. Um, they're debating on going with a new uh, water system because the current water system isn't holding up to what they need and the city of Portland is actually going to add on to it and it's a multi-million dollar project. And the city has been talking about... What do we do? How do we support the need while we also see developers still coming into town and, and, and you know continuing to build because there's more demand, our population just continues to grow. And I feel like we need this data, this information more than ever to say to make these decisions, right? To plan and make decisions based off of not what the need is right now, not to just put a band-aid on it, but to be able to expand on that and say, well, we're here now. Let's figure we're going to be here by this time. How do we design for that and allow that to be expandable, right? How how do we continue to grow with with our current rate and
2: then and some, right? And I think well, well
0: that, we, sorry. Go ahead.
2: Sorry, so I was just going to add that I think you know all those questions aren't being asked at mm-hmm. the right time to the right people. Yep. That's I think that is um the main problem in 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 all these systems you know that you know we know you know individuals we can identify these problems but Mm -hmm. who is it that we're going to direct us to who who is it that we're going to address our concerns to and who is it that's going to make these changes and you know I know that this isn't the, the the place for it but those are the kind of questions that we need to ask because infrastructure is the number one thing that keeps us healthy. Yep. Yeah. Okay. It is. I mean, it, it, we want to talk about, um, you know, the health of, of the society. Mm-hmm. That is the, if you look at the data, and I urge people to, to look this up, okay? Um, the infrastructure, the development of the infrastructure in this country has been paramount to uh, uh, staving away infections and viruses mm-hmm. more than other yep. uh, paths. OK, so yeah. that is par- so that's why I'm so con- that's why I'm very passionate about this, this topic, this industry is because personally, I see the inefficiencies,
3: mm-hmm. I
2: see the opportunities and it all lies in mis Well, in managing of information, the opportunity in better managing that information, mm-hmm. because you got to know what you want to tell somebody to give it to you. yeah that's exactly
0: it. And, and what you're saying about infrastructure is 100% true. Like you know, our our interstate system has a lot of negative connotations to it, right? When we think about
2: uh there's a know, lot of but, opportunities.
0: Yeah, well but we think about like, you know, uh you know, it started from the world wars, it you know, um, uh, it, it, uh, you know, had a decline for electric streetcars, especially where you guys live, you know, uh, so I lived in Cadabro Acres. It's just off of, uh, it's, it's like, a uh, unincorporated area between Tigard and Portland. It's, a uh, it's called Garden Home. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. Um, but, uh, it was on the, uh, west side of Portland. Um, but that whole area was like an electric streetcar there's had all these electric car paths. Um, but whenever the, you know, the highways and all the roadways and, you know, the, the, uh, oil and tire manufacturers lobbied together and did away with the electric cars, all that sort of stuff, all that stuff went away. So, you know, you think about that negative connotation. Um, but that said, like without it, we, we wouldn't have the life that we have today. We are a, um, car-driven society, you know, when you think about how you're going to get to the, the nearest hospital, uh, especially thinking about coronaviruses, uh, and actually I wish I was drinking Corona right now, <laughs> um, am <laughs> three beers in right? and I'm like, man, you know what, these would go a little easier I mean, if they weren't 7% alcohol. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry guys. Uh, but, but, but anyways, what I'm saying is, um, uh, your, your talk about infrastructure, it, you know, kind of probably has a negative connotation because of that, because of its aging. Uh, they said we oh. need to spend, what, like $2 trillion or something like that to fix our aging infrastructure. I don't remember the exact number. Again, on this podcast, do not quote us on statistics. <laughs> I'm you. we drink alcohol, real alcohol in real cans and real bottles. So um, uh, well. we're, we're not apt on that. But – Sorry, go ahead.
1: to Thank you. Yeah, I, 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 just, I wanted to go back to, uh, to Johan's point there, and I, I, think that all of that ties back to the information exchange, right? Mm. Um, they yes. are, they don't know who to talk to. I think that knowing what they want, you know, consulting, and, and these, these owners consulting and knowing what they want and being able to specify what they want and only and working with people being a being picky right be picky be picky about who you work with and, and find the right people get that are that are capable and willing to give you the information that you need right to get you this type of bim data whatever level of detail it is that you really need right you got like we talk about these paper machines right i actually um Before I moved out here, I worked as a uh, production engineer on a newer um, paper mill. It was a recycled paper mill in Valparaiso, Indiana. And I was a, um, I learned, that's where I learned to read PNIDs and kind of seen this entire system um, come together, connect. It was an awesome project that I got to be a part of, that I got to kind of see. But I think it all kind of, again, comes back to knowing. Kind of who and and what you need, so you can specify that. Like I said, with all the pumps, that facility had several. Like I, I can't even, they, they were huge, right? And and all these lines and sensors running everywhere, and these owners taking that information, the owner of that of that facility and being able to push it into. We had these like glasses that you could kind of look through and 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 see these systems and different machines that told you where things are and. What the flow was, and if anything is failing, if anything needed maintenance, you know, being able to to kind of see all that and communicate that information, and it, it it was very vital. And again, as they specified that, they only worked with people that could provide it to them, and they got what they wanted, and they were able to grow and expand as they kind of need to. And I, I think that is it, it's very. It's very awesome when it works like that, right? Being able to be that owner in that position and specify exactly what you need, what you want, and yeah, that, the right
0: to move yeah, forward. That reminded me. I actually did have a point where I was going. <laughs> I completely forgot it because, uh, again, I'm on my fourth season. Uh But, but um, as we're talking about what owners want, we so we had done projects in the past where we had uh, worked with owners and 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 johan mentioned this earlier where uh when you specify that you you know owner specifies that they want bim they're specifying that they want um they're, they're not they're not detailing what that information is uh so you know i use this example a lot for an infrastructure project um an owner had specified bim they wanted this you know they wanted information in their mind they perceived that they wanted a level of information but they didn't communicate it. It wasn't on a contract, so it was up to the consultant to say that, yeah, yeah, we provided BAM, here's the BAM, blah blah blah, we're done. Uh, this project had flooded. Their O&M was a digital handover. Um, you know, I don't know the extent of where the backups were and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but they had said, okay, well, um, you know, these paper copies are flooded or or whatever, whatever the situation was. They relied on the the, uh, digital copies for the backups, uh, and they realized that there was no information in the model. It was geometry. Um, Yes, they had modeled everything in 3D BIM, 3D 3D Revit, 3D CAD, whatever you want to say, 3D CAD, uh, I guess covers Revit computer-aided design, rather. But they had covered that, but it, it didn't meet their needs. So having that conversation about what meets our needs for the whole life cycle of the project. Um, Post construction, right? How, you know, if this, if this uh, building were to shut down tomorrow, uh, what do I need to get it running again? Needs to be in the model at, at some, you know, it's some degree, right? Uh, referencing hyperlinks, information, parameters, property information, whatever it is, if we can put that in the model, um, that does the owner a real justice, and uh, unless that's contractually obligated, which, which I'll be honest, it is more so on the West Coast than here in Pennsylvania. Um, you
2: know, well, I'll th- say that uh, you know, I've worked on both sides, you know, and here's what I'll say: it depends on the knowledge base of the project management staff mm-hmm. when they're writing the contract. It doesn't matter what what cost, okay? It really yep. doesn't. It what matters, and and this is what everybody wants to understand. How can we? How can we? The owner wants to know how can we uh, manage your consultant. Mm-hmm. And the consultant wants to know well, what does the owner really want? Because traditionally we they want two D drawings. I mean, really, I mean. We make drawings for permit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for building permit. Yeah.
3: yeah.
2: Otherwise, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, a con- I've I've a contractor will say I've heard contractors say, "Oh, we don't need drawings." No. We know you gave us an idea. We'll give you what you want. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
2: we'll figure it out for, yeah. for yeah. money. For money, yeah. okay? And that's and that is the whole uh, the whole point. We want to do this efficiently for everyone, because when everybody makes money, because everybody can, everybody can make money. We just have to determine when this is going, when we're going to be doing this uh, process of BIM. Because BIM isn't models. Hashtag BIM is more than models. BIM <laughs> is it. BIM is a process. BIM is a project management description of how you're going to use models and how you're going to develop information. So going back to uh, you know the, the the juicy tidbits, it's project goals. You need to understand your goals. You need to understand how model uses can um, benefit those goals, how you can attain those goals with models, because there's different type of models. This, this is just not Revit. There's Point Clouds, there's uh, Civil 3D, there's Tecla, there's, I mean, I can mention, you know, 25 different type of platforms. It's not, it's the 3D environment that you choose and that is required by the owner. So if you know what the, what the goals are, how the model is going to be used, then, you, and, and I purposely skipped LOD and, and said ex, uh, information exchanges. Because that is paramount. You need to understand who's going to be developing this information before you actually de- say how, what level this information is going to be developed to, at mm-hmm. what phase. Yes. Because it has different purposes to different individuals.
0: And what elements, not not only who, but what elements are they modeling? Like I don't. Necessarily care about the duct, but I do care about the the, the equipment. Like, there's so much that that you know. Well, I get offered, asked a lot, like, "Hey guys, where the secret of BAM? We really want to get into this. You you host a podcast. You got to know this." And I'm like, look, man, uh, I interview people like Johan here because uh, if I just interviewed David and myself, we would be in an echo chamber. But we got to get the owner's perspective perspective we've got to get oh. other people's perspective we we've got to know what's going on yep. and the reason is if we're talking about uh what is bim what it you know you, you know we we just dave and i would just say hey model everything you know sure sure whatever but at the end of the day it really depends on what johan's saying here the owners the, the project outcomes who needs well, what when where at yes. what time i i uh, would
1: say i would say definitely yes but also um, that goes into even the design phase itself. If I'm a structural engineer, as you said, I may not care about every every duct um, but I, I will care about where the equipment itself is sitting. If I have like a two-and-a-half or five-ton unit, I need to go ahead and make sure that it's it's structurally sound in that area to hold that load, right? And communicating that but also communicating every, every part of the design into, into that one Um, model and and being able to hand, because, you know, maybe the architect doesn't need everyone else's, I mean, typically, yes, they they should, but, you know, maybe they don't need everything, but the owner themselves will need all of that data. They will need the equipment information and the warranty information for any equipment that they have on, you know, or in this building, and they may need to know where these ducts are, if they have any heat transfers or if they have any... um, zone dampeners or anything like that installed, you know, where things like that are located within their building to be able to hand this over to their maintenance facility. Well, that that all
0: goes back to what Johan pointed out earlier with this link that you're sharing, the uh, www.bim.psu.edu slash bim /bim, uh, underscore uses um, where you're talking about maybe structural analysis, where you're talking about mechanical analysis uh, if this information is placed properly in the model, right, the geometry is there in the model, we can, um, in your essentially all the uh, property information is correct. We can run in our analysis, we can get all this information, we can um, do all this sort of stuff. And, and, and kind of getting back to what Johan was saying earlier, uh, we were talking about engineers, uh, or maybe it was you, David, sorry. Again, um. fourth beer here, man. 6. <laughs> <6% non-quality. laughs> Uh, I don't remember who's who, what's what, but, but uh, uh, if we're talking about, um, uh, you know, this whole concept of BIM and um, uh, where we're placing things, what, what we're kind of seeing out of things, um, you know, really, I actually forgot where the hell I was going with this man, guys. I well, you're, you're all
1: good, you're all good. But it goes oh, back man. to it goes Joey. back to like collaboration. It goes back to um, all the, making all of that information kind of consumable for everyone, and everyone determining what level um, <laughs> I don't want to say level of detail, but that level of detail, that information that they need to 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 do what they need to do,
2: right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and, yes. and and David, Joey, you guys, you know, you guys are right on point. Okay. And and let me put it back into into. Um, Back into the roadmap, okay, and and this is what we're all talking about, okay? What we're all saying basically is that we the every individual uh, Performing modeling activities and and developing information. They need to know Why they're developing it Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Yes The contract says Make drawings Make drawings and if the contract says make drawings, then that's not truly BIM. Nope. So, like I said, you need to understand your BIM goals. You need to understand how you're going to attain those goals using models and information. You need to de- you need to understand and define who is going to develop this information and the models at what point, for those uses. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because those, like I said, those uses happen at different stages of the life, within the life cycle of the project.
3: Yeah.
2: Okay. So now that we understand what we're doing, what the owner wants, how we're doing it, who's doing it, then we're going to get into the, nit- the nitty gritty. And that's LOD, right? Mm-hmm. And that's saying, okay, well, we know that in this, and an LOD needs to be a, um, a document that is updated through the phases you don't do LOD one time you do LOD to, through each phase I because and, and, and it needs to be updated and that's mm-hmm. what I'm seeing, um, what I'm experiencing is that we're not really taking care of describing our process on the design side to the owner or to the contractor.
1: Yes, there's a huge disconnect there there's in a the design huge disconnect and, and contractor, like the the specification, uh, like the constructability requirements. Really, I mean that's that's it. There's a huge, you know, disconnect there where we're seeing um, the contractor or you know the GC, who have you, um, has to go back a little bit and and take these drawings and essentially rehab them and rework them to make them constructible.
2: And, and that's not efficient for the. No, owner.
1: it's not that, at, at all. You're paying
2: double. You're they paying are. double. And because the owner doesn't know, because the owner hasn't um, described that within the contract, okay, Mm -hmm. They again, they are left to the consultant and contractor's discretion as to what BIM is. So, really, if we want to push the BIM initiative, we really need to keep asking owners and not just asking in the sense of saying hey um what do you want no we need to say you know we need to come up we need to come up with a plan because we are professionals that know what the system is and that's why we keep getting jobs with the owner we keep mm-hmm. getting jobs because we know the template we know the spec we know how to do this and it makes that makes it more efficient but let's take it a step further and let's develop that conversation more and say you know what owner how are you operating this and if something breaks what information do you use so to just recap we got goals we got BIM uses we got level we got information exchanges and then we got level of detail Mm -hmm. finally and this is the main piece that I hope to see more and more throughout the industry. Process maps. Oh, please yeah. describe to every person within the project what the process is of who and when these models are being developed. Mm-hmm. And again, please, I invite you to go to PSU, to the CIC Research Program. And, and read all they have. They have all these resources free. Yep. And you're essentially through.
1: making a schedule. I mean, you're making a schedule of what you need when you need it and whose responsibility it is. Right. And I think that allows everyone, like that open transparency of the project, to know what is needed from them and when. And at that point, you know, that gives the goal, right? It kicks in, they're ready to go, we know where we we're needed, good to go. It's when you don't have that guidance that people can get lost, schedules and, and, and timelines can get so jumbled, and it's crazy.
2: And I think that's where, um, you know, we talked about what we want mm-hmm. in terms of the industry. We talked about, I just described to you the pieces necessary to get uh, what you want. Yep. Okay. And again, BIM, uh, project goals. BIM uses, model uses, information exchanges, level of detail, and put that all in a process map. And that's mm-hmm. going to be two levels: your overview process map, and that's going to be your uh, individual BIM use process map. And that's yep. going to describe to every individual what needs to be done and when. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? And you know. So, so ah. those, and then all those pieces. And what has been lacking within the industry right now and what ISO 19650 is trying to promote is let's push all this uh, requirement out of the BIM execution plan. And let's put that in the contractual language Mm -hmm. because we know what we want. We know who's going to do it. We know when they're going to do it and at what detail they're going to do it. Yes. And we're describing it in a visual map for everyone to easily understand it. You that's are. a BIM. That is a BIM execution plan.
0: Yes, and that's actually what's needed. In fact, we should when well, when people specify BIM, they should actually specify the specific you know, that, that specific ISO instead of just saying that, you know, we need BIM. Uh, you know, I spent six years in Oregon, uh, you know, working with architects, engineers, construction companies. Uh, that you know, in MEP contracts and all that sort of stuff, that that said that they needed that the owner specified BIM, but they never specified a level of BIM. They never specified who does what, when, where, or how. And it was always, yeah, we did BIM, but it was all about coordination and nothing else. Nothing to the owner's benefit. No, well, it really, it was all about uh, mitigating the construction risk essentially, mm-hmm. not necessarily an owner's benefit. In my, in my perspective, right, it's all about the. The construction teams um but uh, you know we get this new iso that, that that comes about and it's like okay well now we know who does what when where and how mm-hmm. if we specify this on our projects then we're on to something we're on to uh you know from from conceptual and, and via technic who we're gonna we have an interview coming up with on our next podcast i believe or maybe it's two podcasts so you know don't quote me again statistics <laughs> blah 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 uh uh, they had this amazing graphic and it was about like you know they had this great write up it, it was a good it was a good write up uh, but the graphic to me is what really stood out and it was like you know the old way of doing bim and it was like you know the you know uh the architect does this the engineers do this the subcontractors do this the gcs does this blah 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 and it wasn't really to the benefit of the owner and now really what bim is and in my mind it's all about the whole life cycle of the building it's getting to that that uh, that understanding of this is what we're going to produce across all disciplines and subdisciplines, and uh, you know, to the benefit uh, to the owner, and this is why you're going to use it, and this is what you're going to do with it, that sort of stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, but as sorry, budget.
1: Uh, oh, uh, oh, it's it's Dave. <laughs> I was gonna say, dude, was gonna I, say I've been Jesse, I've been but, I've been uh, trying to jump in for a while. I've been so excited, <laughs> like I'm like, oh man, 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 Jesse, he interrupts me regularly, Jeez. so I'm just gonna say this. <laughs> No, I, I think like wrapping everything together, um, everything that Johan and, and you've kind of been talking about would be um, templates, right? Templatizing all of this, getting your execution plans, getting getting templates for everything in, in general, like this entire process, templating it for every project, getting a a known point to start off of, right? As you continue to learn, you expand, you kind of grow on that, or you make yourself Multiple project templates for your execution plans, for you know your, your timelines, for your process maps. Everything you want to map this out, get a template of where you want to be, and adjust it. Like make a couple of them, as I said, and, and continue to grow with it. But continue to know this is where we started on this project. This is what we could have done better, and then we continue to grow and adapt off of that, right? And getting something like this, this um, the, the PSU BIM execution plan gives you a good idea where to start, and and then talk with consultants, talk with other people around you, listen to different podcasts, you know what have you. Um, no, 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 no. Only no, listen, no. To listen, to <laughs> listen to this podcast. Right listen this Listen to this yeah. podcast, obviously. But, you know, the idea is to gather as much information as you can to, to get that best idea of where you want to be, where you want to go, and, and kind of get that baseline, right? That baseline information of what you need and then go from there.
2: Yeah, well, it, it, really all, uh, it really all starts with the right question. Mm-hmm. And and really, um, I, I urge all design consultants to be introspective and, and really look at what they are defining as BIM. Okay,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: and and we know that we need drawings, and if that is the only end goal for the design consultant, then we're not doing. We're not providing the full lifecycle service to the owner.
3: Nope.
2: And and really, so it starts with the question. It starts with the right person asking the right question to the right person and saying, hey, what information do you need and how do you use it? Because I'll tell you this much. Just from my experience, and and I've been um, consulting for my client just for a brief period. And I'll tell you the number one um, roadblock is that we don't know the information that we need Mm -hmm. and we don't know our involvement in developing that information at those phases. If we, you know, from an owner perspective, you know, I gave you a kind of roadmap, just a universal roadmap for everybody just to define BIM goals, Mm -hmm. uh, project goals, BIM uses, um, information exchanges, level of detail, put that in a process map, and that's your BIM execution plan, okay? But that is what you, s- you give to the client, okay? And if we're just in the point of view of we just got to make drawings for a permit, then we're not fulfilling all what we can. Nope. So that is what I'm trying to promote, okay, okay. is that if we want to come into this as – uh, is saying we want, we are here to provide you a, a BIM uh, service. Then this is really what we need. Those four pieces. So we know what the uh, consultant needs to provide. So what does the owner need to need to? How to? How can the owner prepare to um, manage that? And I'll give you that right now. Okay. And if you go to my LinkedIn page, and this is what I've been trying to promote since since the beginning of this year. Okay, if you're a facilities owner and um, you are, uh, you have a large portfolio of properties that you're maintaining, and they have HVAC, plumbing, the works. Okay, it is paramount for you to identify, to assess the information that you consume, because if you don't know that, then you can't efficiently. Determine what is garbage and what isn't, yep. and you can't tell your your consultant what to deliver. And to do that, you need somebody who understands BIM, because or or GIS uh, uh, for that matter. You need those things. Those those two oh, those two yes. platforms are hand in hand. Yes. You need somebody. Who will manage the data? You know, more and more I keep I keep seeing these uh, these positions for data uh, data scientists, and it's like, yeah, because we know that if we want digital city, digital facilities, or digital mm-hmm. twins and smart cities, we need to manage our data. We, we Cannot get there, and we cannot get to true AI if we don't get there.
0: Yep. So, so two things to build off of that. One. Dave and I have talked about this in other podcasts. Yeah, data scientists these days have become uh, more about people who can uh, sort through the garbage and, and get to what data really is. And number two, I actually had it on my list. I was actually about to reference it um, to talk about, you know, your contributions. You have put out really great papers, um, articles on LinkedIn rather, that highlight uh, you know, really define really what bim is uh, bim execution plans bim strategy really what people need to understand because when they think of bim what you alluded to earlier um was you know people think about bim as 3d cad and that's that's not the case guys let's think about a holistic approach when i think of bim it's got to be holistic it's got to be about who needs what when where, and how um rather than let's just get 3D geometry, check a box, and get a paycheck. Yep. And yep. you hit the nail on the head with all of your uh, your, your posts earlier. Um, uh, so tell people again how they can uh, get your information.
2: So, yeah, just, you know, follow me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, uh, I've been writing articles on uh, the perspective of facilities owners or uh, portfolio managers of how they're going to manage – um, these 3D models um, and, and, and giving you the steps of, of how to, you know, one, assemble the team and identify people um, that could be BIM managers. You know, we don't, you know, that that's the thing. This whole BIM um, uh, career path is developing. OK, and we don't know. And, and, and we need to take um Advantage of other people's skills of data management that they're already doing because they know how the processes work and and Develop them into saying you know what this information you're the end user, but how can we port this into something more proactive? How can we make it so that the information isn't in your silo and that everybody has access to it and that it can be more efficient? Those are the those are the questions um, that an owner should be asking. It's, it's an assessment. You have to make an assessment of your information. You have to um, clean your information and provide a plan to how you're going to clean it. And then you're going to have to execute that. And that takes people. And that's the hard part. You know, um, some, some individuals will be reluctant to the new way, but that's just the way it is. And you can either ride the wave of, of of innovation, or you can be left behind. And and those are individual choices. But innovation is coming. BIM, true BIM, level th- level two, level three BIM as per ISO 19650, it's coming. And we need to prepare our. Um, we need to our, as organizations. Organizations, we need to prepare to provide these services. Mm -hmm. So, and this is kind of what I want to get to, I guess. You know, this is really what I want to promote. We know what the owner, we know what the designer, we know what the industry should be designing has been. We know what the owner, how the owner can Developed a program to define BIM. Just follow me. Go to LinkedIn, Johan Tuckler. I've written some articles. But then there's a big gap of education. Mm -hmm. Okay, because currently, in the traditional way of getting um, into construction and architecture or engineering, is you got to go through college, right, or community college. And the thing is, is that currently right now is what I am experiencing is that when I um, make a uh, audit, and, and this is not a professional audit. This is my audit of these programs. These programs are providing you how to use a software. And if you want to get in the, the, this industry, you have to understand that, yes, you need that skill but there is much more to understand that you have to understand why you're making that model yep you have to understand how that model is being developed and how how the information is being uh, how the engineer is developing that information for you to put into the model I and agree. how that information and how that model gets sliced and diced onto drawings yep and I think, that I just want
3: to
0: I just want to shout hallelujah from the background of everything you're saying, by the way. Yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> like, I'm over here like preach. Go. I I've got, I'm I've like got excited
2: to talk to about this. I identify systems. Yeah. Just That's just my personality. I can see the systems, and I can see where the systems can be more efficient, and it's yeah. very simple. We've been We've been designing for years, centuries. It's not different. What's different no. and what we can manage is the flow of information. Yeah. That's it. Tell us what you want, or if you don't want that, man, let's talk about it. Yeah. Because if I really want to have more business with you, man, I would be coming to you as an owner and saying, "Hey, man, let's 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 see what uh, what more I can do for you." Because the more work I get, the more money I get. Yeah.
1: And. I think I think um, another kind of uh, another kind of part of all of this. Oh, gosh, dang it! I forgot where I was going. Now my beer is kicking in too. Um, but <laughs> I was, I was trying true, to say man. I think I think that. Um, it, gosh, it all kind of comes together.
2: Um, well, Joey, here you know I've been talking about how to define BIM overall universally. How to define it for the owner, and and I we we know the problems and to me the problem is education mm-hmm. the problem is education oh, so how do, how is. do we, how do we get that how do we get these new um, minds these new bodies into this industry Yes. and i'm, I'm going to tell you is. right now so you know i've been working you know on my own as a startup and kind, kind of really finding my place in, in this industry and i think the most value i have to give is education So, as part of my, um, you know, my little company is just, you know, what I do individually. um, Advanced BIM Solutions is I want to give free education, free Revit education to these high school, middle school um, uh, students to get them into a perspective that, man, you know, I might not make it, I might not have the grades to go to to go to college, but man. I may have the ability, the initiative to get into another technical, another trade, right, yeah. and that's and that's really what I, I want to promote. Is like, yeah, I came. I, I believe that drafting is a trade, mm-hmm. and that's what I want to promote more people to get into, get into yeah. trades because that's where you re- develop these relationships. That's where you can, you know, uh, find more people who have the same interest of. Of, of advancing your career paths
3: yeah
2: yes you will find gatekeepers yes you will find people in your path but you know what it all works out in the end and if you have the initiative to drive forward then you will get there you will get there yeah
1: i'm actually i'm I'm very passionate about this as well i've shared a few things on my linkedin well quite a few things about it, it is is really sharing the knowledge and we we've seen a big gap in our industry Coming from, let's say, even in the trades, from the journeyman down to the apprentices, right, and then going from even the trades into a design firm, right, knowing the level of detail, the constructability that they need to have in these designs to be able to actually build this model, right, and why, kind of, as you were saying earlier, why they're designing it to this, knowing that the mechanical engineer is going to need this, the structural engineer is going to need this level of information. To do their job appropriately, or knowing that you know, vice versa, they need this level of information to construct this building, and kind of taking all of that information together. I want to say, um, in terms of knowing like that that level of information, and, and everybody being able to kind of communicate that,
2: right? Yeah, um, and, and what's funny is that uh, you know, one thing that I I try to Communicate to um, you know my owner and, and to other consultants or, or clients is that MEP has been doing BIM all the time. Yep. It's just never been called that. Yeah. We as an MEP consultant, you either guess where the pipes or air or the whatever system is going, and then you know the person building it does his best to to not hit something.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. That's what we're still doing. Yeah. And I think it's kind of key that as you're kind of, as you're
1: talking about and talking to, you know, getting um, the middle school and high school age students involved at one level of, even if it's basic level, right? So they have an idea of what's out there. And as they continue to um, grow into it, um, they know kind of, again, what's out there or how they can grow. What, what technology they can try to adapt to make things better and faster and what I really also want to talk about there is sharing that knowledge getting these journeymen getting the older generation to help train a lot of these because I mean that is something natural that you see in the um, you know the union halls you're, you're going to see that quite a bit but we should get some of these let's say draftsmen right as well these older draftsmen to train some of these Younger new new draftsmen coming out of community college or coming out of wherever they're coming from, because that's actually where I started from. I started in a community college and and worked my way into a, a small structural engineer firm, and then just kind of woke work my way up from there. And it, it's it's just it, it gives you at least somewhere to start, right? And then the more that the more that we share, the more information that We know in terms of what this is needed to be constructible, sharing that to the design team and being able to incorporate that is going to help everyone downstream, help the entire process in general, help us as an industry to evolve together. I I really feel that's what we need. We need that gap to be bridged in terms of what we know and, and where we can take it. And, and yeah. you're
2: right. You know, I believe that things sort themselves out eventually by themselves. Mm-hmm. And what you will see within the industry is that those firms that are promoting collaboration, mm-hmm. they will be, uh, they have a, um, they have a path for sustainability. Mm-hmm. Okay, those firms who are in a silo and that um, work within their parameters and try not to collaborate unless needed those firms unfortunately you'll see those firms be gobbled up mm-hmm. and that is is what's going to happen that bim will really come up i mean like i said if you're really following bim it will come up and just you know bring up all the okay, carpet yeah. and show you show you all the dirty yep. that, you, that you've been doing because you're really not managing your data you're just focusing yep. on the 2d drawings Yep. And I can make lines and texts all day, but th- that has that contains no information for construction, that contains no information for the owner, and yeah. that contains no information for demolition.
1: Yep. You know what I want to see is I really want to see more of this with the trades and the unions, and I, I really want to see more adoption of BIM. I want to see technology days in union halls and apprentice like the schools. I, I want to see – um, the people who do this BIM stuff, right? All of us BIM people out there, um, sharing the knowledge of what the what we have to like that we're capable of doing right now, and mm-hmm. being able to kind of expose them to that even is to plant that seed, right? And I talked to a few of guys in, in my Bluebeam class this last week, and they were all very passionate about it as well being able to, you know, walk the site with halo lenses on, on their helmets or, you know, do layout, see points and actually pull information model. being able to lay, lay out, you know, pipes, blue bangers, kind of what have you, penetration points, you know, again, what have you in this model and being able to, again, take it all and and use it, right? And if we're introducing that information at that, that, that level, then we can continue to allow that younger generation to grow and expand off of that. Right. And as we all communicate, <coughs> Oh shit. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, excuse me. I uh, spilled my beer on my computer.
0: <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I'm getting all good, excited. over yeah. here. I wanted to interrupt you. Uh, you know, what's sad is actually I see the union halls that are leading the charge on BIM and Revit and all that sort of stuff are actually in the Midwest uh, and it's pouring westward because I've you know, i worked with the union halls on the west side um, and it's pouring westward where they're actually just now starting to get in that stuff but yet the industries themselves uh, the companies, all that sort of stuff are, are are bleeding the opposite direction so it's kind of an interesting dynamic and I've I preached connected BIM at uh, you know uh, career fairs and union halls and all that sort of stuff so getting to the point where uh, where we can get younger people interested in a non-traditional uh, approach um, to a career. We're not talking about a four-year degree. Again, I've got I've got a master's degree. It's it's you know again in my mind it's all bullshit to me because everything I've learned has been from somebody else who's out in the field, kind of like Johan here who who kind of learned from from his his predecessors. Everything I've learned has been. Um, the values that I, that I've instilled in myself, the, you know, how this connects to this and, and why we do this, this, this way, and, and all that sort of stuff, touching back on Jim Martin from last week and, 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 and all of our mentors and all that sort of stuff. The, the whole, the whole aspect is um, we do this this way because somebody has told us we do this, this way um, has somebody has explained the meaning of why we do this to communicate it down downfield, not just we do this this way, just because you do it this way, yeah. but because we do it this way, and they took the time to explain it to us, and it had nothing to do with the degrees or the education, yeah, they can teach you some picks and clicks, um, but but why are you modeling this wall in a certain way and placing materials, and, and why does uh, the calculations of the structure – why does that all make sense to you? Why does that all matter in the end? Mm-hmm. the end of this project and the reason why it all matters is because somebody took the time and i guarantee you it's not your instructors and i'm not denigrating instructors i'm just saying we need to get to a point where everybody has a standard education uh in this in this space um uh you know not just teaching picks and clicks but but why we're doing things a certain way and 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 I, i for one believe wholeheartedly that uh, the, the way that Johan was brought up, the way that you were brought up, brought up uh, where you kind of learned by doing, uh, somebody had taken the time out of their day to explain hey, look, okay, this is Revit. This is why we're doing it this way. But, you know, here's some information that I get out of it. And Johan has provided a unique perspective to us for owners, his current client and previous clients. Um, you know, what they need to get out of the project. Because if we're just doing doing BIM to check a box, are we really doing BIM? Right. It that's, connects. yeah, you know, that's, that's where I believe.
2: Uh, and, so know,
0: so, so go ahead. Just,
2: just to add, you know, just an just a additional comment to that is, you know, in my experience, I have noticed that there is two different career paths for a drafter. Okay. We need, the industry needs copy machines. And when I say copy machines, uh, I'm sure everybody has encountered the individual who will um, put in a drawing, a misspelling or an actual uh, comment line or arrow that isn't intended because it was just red line. And you know, we need copy machines. We need people who just you know uh, fix the comments, right? But also, you know, the other career path is, you can be a drafter or a copy machine, but also you can be a designer. And what a designer means is that you're asking questions, and that's the that's the biggest point. If you're asking questions as to why you're drawing something, then you're a designer. If you're just doing it because it's a red line, then you're a copy machine and you're just a drafter, and that's okay. And if that's all you want to be, cool. We got plenty of jobs for that. But know that. You know, the next step is a designer. And that's what I'm and and really that's what I want to promote also is is that, you know, you know, I wanna in five years hire my replacement. Mm -hmm. I don't wanna be, you know, a band manager for the rest of my life, technically. I wanna be a project manager because I know how much a project manager has influence on the contract. Right? So and then beyond that, man. I could be a you know I could be a, a, a digital information delivery specialist for a whole firm you know the without without a bachelor's degree you just got to know what BIM truly is and and as um, I've been experiencing we can do there's a huge opportunity to really provide that service as to what BIM truly is to them well.
0: That's that's a perfect way to get to the ending of this. I, I want to ask you two questions. Um, so, getting to your replacement, what Ben truly is. Um, what is one thing that you would change today, um, immediately? Like, if you could impact a change so that you'd set up the next generation, what is that change? Like, what is numero uno? What what is that number one change?
2: Um, I would say that every facility owner. Portfolio owner, uh, design consultant, and construction contractor. They would need to develop non-profit uh, programs to outreach the community, make these positions available, to make make these um, promote these positions because we need bodies. It's not like you need a degree to do this. Even if you didn't need a degree, we can teach people how to do it, yes. but let's just promote it, and even, it, it takes every uh, um, responsible party in the chain of the lifecycle to promote that.
3: Yes,
1: I agree. I mean as you're saying with draftsmen and designers, I mean even in a lot of these these design firms that we see, you have a lot of… Um, I want to say engineers or architects and they will draw these little details and then send them out to the draftsman. And that's all you got draftsman doing is trying to detail out these sections. They don't really know why they're doing it like this. They don't right. understand what this needs what really needs to be done here. They're just looking at a red line piece of paper or you know, a bluebeam you know PDF saying, okay this well, this one goes here, this one goes here, this one goes here. If you can actually send those people out and start connecting them with the construction process itself, right? And, and having them understand, no, we detail it like this because this needs to happen. That We need to shape this rebar like this to go through here. We need to do this. We need to do that. This type of light is – whatever it is, you know, and, and connecting them with the owners themselves to know, um, you know, on specific things maybe, <laughs> you know. But them being connected to that process and knowing why they're designing what they're designing and what – level is really needed there is going to be helpful in your entire process that's going to help your company grow it's not just helping that individual it's going to help your entire company grow if you can educate your people like that to that level right and connect them to that process that way from the bottom to the top they're all connected and communicating and knowing where this these projects
2: need to go exactly so so again you asked me what is the number one thing i would do is I would urge every responsible party in the life cycle of a facility to prioritize their goals to not be profitable. Money is out there if you do it if you do the job right. But you gotta know how to do the job right. But yeah, yeah. so if you, if you're gonna be if, if your intent is to be profitable, that means you don't care and, and, and this is my own perspective. You don't care about your people. If your main um, focus is your people and the development of their careers, then that is where you will be sustainable for the future because people is what make the company.
0: Well, I think as we get into uh, the conversations that David and I are going to carry on forward uh, about um, you know, the, the lack of people in construction – you'll realize that the individual people that you do have make your project who it is. And and as you're saying, the stakeholders, like they define your project, how you win project after project after project um, is your reputation. There's a reason why certain firms, and I'm not singling out anybody because I believe wholeheartedly what they do. And I don't want to just discourage or take away from that. Uh, You know, these firms work with specific owners on project after project after project and they consistently win them it's because they know the owners um, what they want. required yes yeah, yeah. so they're, they're required deliverable
1: yeah and essentially they can template they can start templatizing the information I mean it, and that's really what everybody wants. they want to know that standard kind of where to start and then where where to go from there. I mean as long as you can connect that information, share that data, and be and know that you're going to work with people that are capable of producing that level, which is another thing that I I really think that uh, and I know it's not there yet, but I want to say analytics right. If we can gather the analytics and and start gathering the data of who you're working with, you're, what you're tugging at where, my heartstrings here, dude. It, it's <laughs> at that point, you know, you know what you're gonna get. And yeah. people know what to expect. And it's it's going to go, I don't want to say smooth, because no project is ever really smooth. No, construction chaos, man. Yeah, That's it
0: crazy. is.
1: It is, yeah. but it's a controlled chaos at that point, right? It's an, or an expected, a predicted. It,
0: it can be, but it, yeah, you're right. It's predicted. It's not controlled exactly. necessarily, but it's no. predictable. But yeah. um, exactly. you can stop it, it,
1: it to a certain degree before it gets ridiculous.
0: Exactly. exactly. And,
2: and no matter where you are in the chain of the life cycle... You want to get away from the mentality of being reactive.
3: Mm-hmm. Number
2: one, you want to be proactive, and the will, only way you're going to be proactive is managing your data, managing your information. And if so, the only way you're going to do that is asking the questions to who's going to use it. Mm-hmm. But before I get on to my
0: next question, I do want to I do want to preface two things. So uh, proactive, uh, well, let's restart um, reactive. Um, should bring dollar signs to your eyes. When you think you're being reactive to something, you should think uh, change orders. You should yeah. think um, exactly the most costly um, option for for um, having to to make a change to a project. That's what I think when I think of reactive. Uh, when I am reacting to to something, it requires the most amount of energy in my physical being uh exclude the dollars of my company that I command but it re- when I'm being reactionary to something it requires my most physical um and, and emotional um outpouring so therefore just think of it in this context but if I'm being react if I'm being proactionary instead of reactionary uh if I'm being proactive versus reactive uh if I'm being proactive we're we're talking about minutes in a day to come up with a game plan to, to uh, circumvent or circumnavigate potential threats. And as we get into predictive analytics and and uh, measuring our performance against past products projects and, this, and so forth, we get to a point where it's actually a very small increment uh, of our time. So therefore you can think of it in this terms, reactionary, the greatest output, imaginable to react to something uh, you know it's complete fire drills it's all hands on deck it's uh elon musk calling a uh, 1 a.m meeting sorry i read this earlier today but a 1 a.m meeting um you know on, on, a, on a weekend to try and get all teams everybody has to be on this call to make oh, sure yeah. that we're, we're 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 meeting this deadline but working until 4 a.m. in the morning, yeah, yeah, to get exactly. it out, yeah. But pro action, you know, pro, pro uh, being proactive here, um, you know, we've got an hour of our time on a Thursday during the work week. We've scheduled this. It's we know this is coming. This is a scheduled call, but it's uh, uh, it's not requiring us to put in all these hours to make sure everybody's on par and doing this and that and this and you know all that sort of stuff. We're being preactive. We're taking the time during our work week, during our nine to five, making sure our, our uh, construction buddies uh, get home at five o'clock or six o'clock on an afternoon rather than eight thirty, nine thirty when it starts to get dark. And, and, and you guys are in Oregon, so it's definitely raining at that point in time. Um, sure. Yeah, for sure. Right. But, but we're being preactive. That's that's the whole the whole thing of this. But but it brings me to my next question here. Um so so I asked you um, you know, what is something you change for today, but what are you most excited for that's coming? Like something that you can see that is just around the band. Like you've you've got a a knowledge of where things need to be, right? You know where um if you, you've got these magic glass stones like, well, if I could only change this, this would happen tomorrow. What is something that you know that somebody's working on that you're just so excited for that's just around the bend?
2: Well again, I'll reiterate you know um, what is most beneficial to those portfolio owner, portfolio managers and facility owners is a digital twin, right? That's the Holy grail you know and, and then on a larger scale, it's uh, smart cities. Mm-hmm. So you know that's what I'm most excited about. That being said, if we don't manage our data from the client and the owner side and all throughout the life cycle of the project, we won't get there efficiently. And it'll take us a lot of iterations to actually hash that out.
0: That's an unfortunate side effect of this is having to take more time to hash things out when we know what we need to get to the end point. Um, so it's, and, and, in my mind, if I'm kind of backtracking a little bit, would you say it's more about communication during this whole thing, like being able to communicate up front, like, uh, you know, to an owner for say, right. I I know you want this, but you're not requesting this. You really need this. Trust me. You really need this to get to this.
2: Exactly. And, and, and really that's where, um, My position as a BIM consultant at this position in time is really um, um, needed. Um, Companies, owners, consultants, whatever, they're looking for somebody to really define what BIM is. And for me, like individually, that's great for me, but as an industry, we should be doing a better job of developing and defining what BIM is throughout these phases.
1: I agree. I definitely agree. And, and it's sharing that data, not siloing these processes and, and connecting everyone together. That's going to move us forward.
0: Do you think an ISO like uh, is going to get us there though? Do you think um, using Talking an like ISO UK,
1: BIM standards?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so to be honest, right. Uh, the the U S is not implementing any mandatory standards. We talked about the no. GSA earlier. Um, we, we work with the GSA in the past and they're primarily two D AutoCAD. Let's, you know let's manage floor plans, let's manage, you know, let's do this for space space planning. It's not necessarily a Revit, it's not three D, it's not uh, it's not about the owner's perspective, it's just about let's move some walls and that sort of stuff.
2: The but GSA, it is heavily GIS. Yeah, that is true.
0: So no, no, I mean you're,
2: if you're, it no, is heavily not. GIS, then automatically you're you have to Uh, take those considerations of information data
1: and then i think the gsa is requiring an lod of like 400 on most of their well
2: well, i think this is actually still in debate
0: at this point i haven't been following it too closely i know about a month ago maybe it was two months ago this was still in debate where gsa was going as far as their standards uh johan you might be following this a lot closer than we are so um, by all means speak up buddy
2: yeah i'm waiting for for a final answer honestly
0: okay yeah so 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 it's still the same same situation where they're kind of hashing it out but it was like do we follow a design build methodology uh more of an i p e type approach or we do the um you, you know the standard type of construction that, like uh are we design, build. yeah yeah i feel designed to build yeah right, exactly um or, or are we designing this stuff? Are, are we providing the, the information that we want up front? Is this following a contract type? Are, we, are all teams more integrated in this whole uh, holistic approach? And, and I don't know if it's getting there yet. We'll, we'll see where, where this decision places us. I know individual uh, counties, organizations, uh, more local uh, organizations, not necessarily federal are mandating certain things, and I've worked with uh, the Army and DoD and a bunch of stuff as far as um, contractual obligations, as far as meeting certain requirements. We have, you know, customers that uh, are overseeing large federal contracts, um, and, and really, it's it, it 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 seems like it's more of an IPD type approach, but it's not clearly defined as an IPD type approach. And, and I would really like for um, these standards to be um, solidified as far yeah. as.
2: Yeah, and really we're... that and really that is what ISO, 9, I mean, it, in my um, interpretation of ISO 19650, that is really what, what it is uh, trying to define. Okay, and not only is it giving you the contractual language, but it's giving you a template as to how to uh, set up your contract. For BIM. So that's how I see it. So, you know, if if we, you know, and I know in the US we're not really going to um, make it a statute that we have to follow a certain ISO, but if we want true innovation and collaboration within our industry, it is something that um, some group has to establish. And there, you know, within the ISO there are. Um, mechanisms to provide a, a country annex. So yes, we can use the ISO, but then we can define what it is for the United States sector, what it means for BIM. Mm-hmm.
0: I agree. I agree.
1: And once we reach that, I mean, you know, it, it pulls at your heartstrings a little bit because you know these smaller firms are having a trouble having trouble keeping up with what we really need. But I do, I do think that we need this kind of BIM. Standard,
0: right? And whether it's cash. Fuck that! Part of, part of my friends, guys, but fuck that. The <laughs> saying, like, I think that, think that it, we need a big standard at work. I think we need
1: standards. I
0: do. The,
2: the industry not, needs to define that. Not they do.
0: It, it not, has to happen. Nobody else. Happen. We're talking about. we
2: should not anybody.
0: my dollars at
2: yeah. work.
3: Yeah,
1: Defined. I'm like, I'm like I, you know, it sucks, but we need it. We really do. We need I, it. It, it just needs to happen. Like for our infrastructure, for our generation moving forward, exactly. we need to adopt the technology that is there. We need to educate our owners. We need to have them get more involved in the construction process and the design process, you know, have them almost be like a CM, right? If the owner can become like a construction manager and understand – how things happen, I, I think that overall, it's gonna give them a better idea if they continue to expand and continue to grow and they maybe own other buildings. It's gonna help them understand what needs to happen and what they need well, to ask for.
0: Well, I agree, as, as, a, as a general, right? You wanna educate the owners of the buildings of what they need long-term to manage this project. Not just this project, but this building and the multitude yes. of buildings that go along with it. That said, Johan, how old are you, buddy?
2: going to be 35 in august
0: my man all right i am uh i'll be 36 in uh june uh david you're what 30 you're like 22 i don't know i'm 30 i am 30
3: yes
0: (laughs) david is 30 i give him shit uh this man has has served his country multitude of times and i'm a wimp but uh david yes I, i give you respect you're you're 30 but you've lived the life of a 50 year old that said...
3: That's what my knees
1: say. My back. Yeah. <laughs> That's what your knees say. I love it, my knees and my back. Yeah, they agree with you know, that. Others, you know, my uh, mind doesn't,
0: but... They yeah, do. yeah. Dude, you're sharp, man. I love it, dude. I, I love having you on these podcasts, man. Uh, you know, I, I always introduce you as... And, you know, and with David Campbell. But that said, this podcast wouldn't happen without David Campbell. I will never do a podcast without David Campbell. Oh, good okay, lord. Uh, All right. This man's got, got his shit together and... Uh, I'm just <laughs> Yeah. Thank you uh, for having me, Joe. Thank you as
1: always. But, but, yeah.
0: but that said, that said, right. We're talking about, uh, uh, the age, right? So we think about this in the, ter- so if we're getting back to the GSA side of things, so we're thinking about this in the terms of our tax dollars, not just GSA, but all government institutions, state, local, federal, whatever. Um, if we can communicate as young uh, I'm gonna say millennials. That is such a taboo word. It's hard to say because I'm Just like, own, it. Just own I, it. oh, it's so hard because I'm at that last generation, year, generation
2: X or generation okay. Z or something. I, like I that. would say, I would say the current adult generation. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I like that a lot better. The current adult generation. That, yeah. Does it change? It's got a little sting to it. <laughs> <laughs> It's got a little less sting to it. But that said, the current adult generation—if uh, you think about long-term, right—we want to manage infrastructure, not just at a, at a federal level, but state local. What we want is infrastructure that serves our youth, not only our youth, but our, our grandchildren, right? We mm-hmm. want to think about smart cities, uh, as we alluded to earlier in this podcast. We want to think about kind of AI and predictive analytics and where all this yes. is going to help us. Yes. Yes. And if you work with an owner today, like if you happen to be in industry today, and you can work with an owner to define these things to get to this beautiful dream of smart cities. Uh and and I'm gonna use Singapore or whoever as as a dream. And I know I'm probably gonna get flagged for it because they got many things wrong with them. But if you think about the infrastructure in these these beautiful cities um And where they are today at monitoring, you know, traffic flows, aging infrastructure, all that sort of stuff. If we can get there, we are in the greatest country of all. Uh, this is my most patriotic speech. You know, cue the America. American flag. American, sorry, America. uh, American. No, it's just, uh, America, uh, Flag behind me, right? Uh, uh, you know, waving. You know, digitally. Uh, I just want to say, look, we're in the greatest country of all. We can make this stuff happen without the standards that the Europeans and the Asians and the, uh, the Africans are imposing on their own societies to make this stuff happen. We don't, you know, we're, we're talking about ISO, but, you know, we don't necessarily need to adhere to ISO. We can go one level beyond. We are the greatest country. Uh, you know, I truly believe this, right, guys? We're the greatest country. We can make this work. Mm -hmm. Let's just, you know, take the time, take a step back, figure out what the owners need, not just for the onset of the construction or onset of the project, right, to go from day one, but from day, you know, 2001. Where are they going from this? Like, how are they going to be able to uh, transition this building from, uh, we, we alluded to this earlier with demolition, where is the end of this life cycle of this building coming in, and how can we facilitate that? How can we provide real value to our owners? And 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 you know, uh, patriotic song in the background, blah, blah blah blah, America, we can do this, blah blah blah, pull your bridge straps, yada yada. Um, we don't need standards to set us in place as far as a, a, a U.S. standard, but that said. Um, leave it to yourselves in each individual construction firm, design firm, whatever you are, engineering firm, to work with your owners, to provide the most value to your owners so that you can get them, so that they can benefit the most out of the project. But then again, so that you can benefit the most out of the project. So that way you can get the next project, the next project, the next project. And we talked about earlier where there's big IT companies where they have set standards um, and we deliver to these standards. Or maybe I was just uh, drunk dreaming this, but uh, <laughs> we 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 have these uh, we do know these owners, these IT owners, these big large tech owners, that mandate a certain level of BIM on each project, um, and, and and it's not a government standard. It's just they mandate they they mandated on every project going forward, and so that from day one they have a work ticket management system, but that work ticket management system benefits them through day you know zero. They know their needs. That's that's it, man. You know their needs.
2: They know their needs, information needs, needs and how that gets uh, ported into a model or into a graphic graphic user interface uh, that could be like a GIS, ArcGIS, because not everybody is a Revit user, but they need the information within the models. So how can you make it accessible? That's the thing. Uh, th- make it that's consumable. how
3: make it consumable. exactly
2: make it consumable make it you have to have those interviews you have to perform that assessment of those information consumers. If you don't have, if you don't know how they're using the information, how can you best serve them? and and, and I think that uh, overall like my career has been uh, formed to do that. What is it is to serve the client? In the informational needs, whether it's just developed that way, because I have to ask those questions for me to define a BIM standard, for me to define a BIM template, a Revit template, for me to define all these things. I need to understand how these things are being delivered and how these things are being used within the organization to operate and maintain it. If you aren't asking those questions, you're never – you're going to have a hard, hard time in a longer journey implementing this uh, BIM program into your organization.
0: You hit the nail on the head, my man. And with that, I, I just want to say, like you know, hashtag BIM is more than model. Mm-hmm. hashtag BIM it, 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 it's it's a whole life cycle. Whatever you want to hashtag it, Johan, you you uh, communicated uh very it seems like effortlessly man you you take your time you're, you're slow to 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 speak about it's
1: articulating i like yeah it. you're
0: you're a very art thank you articulate in I the mean, enunciation of uh of every aspect of this i think yeah, this is a very just...
1: educational podcast i think this is great for anyone who listens to it but also giving us that uh owner's perspective and kind of what they can get from it
2: yeah, and I mean anybody just in general trying to communicate your your position mm-hmm. understand that you have to be a wordsmith. And yes, you know, and, and that's what I've noticed about my my development of how I speak is I take my time because every word is specifically meant for something and that it means a lot to the person who's receiving it because they have every person who's re- receiving information There's that little variable of how they perceive it in language. So, you know, in general, just, you know, make sure that you mean what you say and be honest with your position.
3: Yep.
1: I agree. I agree. And always, always
2: uh, continue learning. Right. Yes. Continue learning. Yes. Always ask why.
0: Mm. that is the most beautiful way to end this podcast always ask why uh, so so um, David and I we have a lot of followers from the US I think uh, more than half our followers from the US and most are, are out of country and I get a lot of requests on LinkedIn and people just reaching out just wanting to know hey how do we get into BIM what is BIM and I just got to point you to uh, Johan's um, um, articles he you know, outline some fascinating points about uh, BIM strategic plans. Um, you know, when we talk about BIM, it's it, like he said earlier. This whole podcast has been a drunken blur about. Uh, it's not about 3D. It's not about BIM is just more than, than models.
3: Hashtag, so hashtag BIM is more fit. than
0: hashtag, models. Hashtag I'm doing it with my arms. You guys can't see me right now. <laughs> guess. But hashtag BIM is more than models, guys. It 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 it, it really is. Um, so I just I urge you to follow uh, uh, Johann Tuckler. Uh, he's uh, he's with a, a great firm these days, uh, and he's he's had a tremendous journey. He's learned along the, learned along the way. And uh, if you guys have any questions, uh, and you guys can't find Johann Tuckler, reach out to us. We'll point you to him. He's been a great asset. And I Johann, I, I just got to say, man. So I'm I'm five beers in. I'm about to start my sixth beer right now. So I've crushed. I've successfully crushed. Damn near a six pack, but but I do want to say uh, (laughs) I'm on number four, (laughs) buddy. I I, I want you're such a lightweight. Damn hippie. (laughs) (laughs) But hashtag David is a
1: hippie. David is a hippie. I will continue being a hippie.
0: (laughs) This is this is the ever going podcast uh, trend. Hashtag David is a (laughs) hippie. Uh, but 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 all that said, uh, if you guys have questions along the way, this is what we're here for. I do want to have Johan, Johan, buddy. you've been great. dude, this is the longest podcast we've had uh, to date. You've just you've provided a, a wealth of knowledge, and I, I think that you would uh, do well to provide us with more even, not just us, but our users with even yes. more knowledge on on uh, ongoing podcasts if you'd have us.
2: Absolutely. And yeah. and I invite anybody who's interested in really, you know, you know, understanding the puzzle, <laughs> which has been um, to come contact me and, and, and reach out because like, you know, anybody on this, uh, on this platform, on this podcast, it, what is most important for us is sharing that knowledge. I, you know, what's most important for me at the end of the day is coming home to my family and being with my kids like I will work overtime all day because you'll pay me that. <laughs>
3: not,
2: it, it, it isn't going uh, to be good for the project, and it isn't going to be good for my relationship within that, at home. So if you really care about your people, if you really care about um, your, your, your drafting staff, your engineering staff, your project managing staff, hey, man, it starts with you saying, hey, what is it that we're actually managing? What do we need at this point in time? If you're not asking these questions and you're just going along with the status quo, you know nothing's going to change and nothing's going to improve. But you know, within time, somebody is going to come along and shake things up. Either you can be a supporter or you can be a gatekeeper. And I hope and I invite everybody to to be a supporter because that's the only way we're actually going to have initiative and innovation within this industry. That is
0: a great way to end this podcast. That is the perfect message uh, to end this podcast on. You can either be a gateway or a gatekeeper, rather, sorry, not gateway. You can be a gateway or a gatekeeper. You could be a gatekeeper uh, or you could be somebody that um, helps fulfill this. Because at the end of the day, the whole idea behind technology and, and construction is that, Everybody gets to go home at five o'clock or six o'clock or whatever your end of day is, without having to work an overtime shift, uh, unless they're really pay- paying you well. I promise you. You, I know you want to get home to your uh, uh, Friday, you know, afternoon, you know, drinking buddies or your 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 wife, your kids, whatever it is. Um, it, it really. There is really a way to streamline construction, and it really is. Uh, it really does start with BIM, um, and a lot of people don't believe that, but um, you know, I'm here to testify it. This is my testimonial, uh, Johan, David. You guys have done a great job at um, communicating the BIM execution plan, BIM strategy, the reasons for BIM. Um, I, I I really think that if we're going to get to this next phase in construction evolution uh, of building great things, uh not just uh buildings but infrastructure, so on. Um it really does start with the information. So I just want to thank you for your time. Yeah, thank um, you. Thank you for coming
1: on, Johan Yo
3: Johan. Good Lord. Look oh, at me, it, look, at me turn
1: it. Ah, look at me turning into Joey. Look at ah, me turning into Joey. Thank you, Joey, <laughs> for coming on. And uh you know That's great. <laughs> thank you for coming on and having us. Um we of course welcome you on like you said anytime and uh, thank you, everyone out there, for listening to us. We always hope that you guys think this is, uh, you know, worthwhile, educational. Um, shout out to Johan for coming on today and let him know if you guys uh, reach out, right, and let him know if you guys need anything. Reach out to us if you guys need anything, and uh, we'll see you next time.
0: All
2: right. Thank you, so. guys. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, thank you, Johan, man. You've been more than a delight. I, I, do, I do really hope to have you on at another time. Anytime anytime. All right.
1: All right, fellas, have a great uh, rest of your Sunday and everyone right, out too. there, yeah, see you next episode.